It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with my producer, Michael Bronner, joining you on this Thursday afternoon. Hope everyone has had a wonderful work day so far and we want to thank you for tuning in to the final drive this afternoon and of course you only have a few more days to vote for WNSP WNSP nominated for seven total nappy awards so again you definitely want to make sure you vote for the final drive on WNSP 105.5 you click on the media tab and then after the media tab best sports show The final drive is what you want to go ahead and click on. And, of course, we've been having round one and round two versus the opening kickoff with Triple G, Nick Wiggins, and Mark Heim. Round one, of course, basketball. Round two, cornhole. And scheduled to have pickleball tomorrow. So you'd be on the lookout Mm. this Memorial Day weekend for Nick Wiggins. How are we thinking that's going to go? Well, Michael Bronner, I, I, I tell you this. It's going to be fun because out of the four competitors in pickleball, no one has ever played. All of us have seen it on YouTube, studied YouTube. Yeah, I still need to do some more film study. But we'll see if our film study will pay off because, again, the opening kickoff taking on the final drive in round three of pickleball. Excited about that in Excited about the SEC baseball tournament. Double elimination style. If you're an Alabama Crimson Tide fan, of course, last night was not one of the finest moments for this year's Alabama baseball team. Alabama loses in the eleventh well, inning. They've had other moments that that were uh slight, s- slight, slightly less uh less fine. Yeah, I, but, I agree. Uh, yeah. Alabama now, losing in the eleventh inning in seven to six on a walk off three run homer after taking a three run lead over the number one seed Florida Gators. Yeah, and if you did not have an opportunity to see that game last night on the SEC Network. Here's the great call on the SEC Network. And he sends this one high and deep to center. And he's gone. B.T. Rahimfeld. What a finish on his 11th home run. And Florida walks off Alabama. Well, when you walk off Alabama, that meant that Vandy and Auburn were going to get a very late start after going 11 innings, and the Auburn Tigers wind up losing 6-4 to to the Vanderbilt Commodores, which puts us where we are today in this afternoon, Alabama taking on Auburn. And, of course, we've asked all our listeners, what do you call the Iron Bowl of baseball or 
the Iron Bowl of basketball. Well, we have that today, and we have that today. And I think it's the Iron Diamond, I believe is what it's called. The Iron Diamond works, but when Alabama took two out of three versus Auburn last month, you knew that that was probably a good sign for the Crimson Tide and them turning the corner as far as trying to get their season salvaged, where today has been a good day against the Auburn Tigers as they're getting ready to go to the ninth inning. And Alabama has a 7-3 to three lead over those Auburn Tigers. And, Michael, I, I think the first time no team has overcome a three-run deficit in extra innings in the SEC tournament's history. Is that and right? I hadn't seen that. And, I, I mean, watching the game last night when Alabama cleaned the bases, I said, well, Alabama's going to win this game against Florida. They're, they're, there's no way. That I mean, they, had a 97, they have a 97% chance of winning, and, uh, uh, and that stinks. Gator bait. That, yeah. that, that does stink, but it is what it is. It appears they're going to beat Auburn. By the way, Alabama and Auburn, two of the hottest teams in the country entering Hoover, so uh, nice to see a, a little Iron Diamond matchup. It looks like. that. The, what, what inning you got over there? Going to go to the ninth. Yeah, so it looks like, I say it looks like because it looked like last night Alabama was about to take down Florida, but it looks like Alabama is going to eliminate Auburn from the SEC tournament and move on, so we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, two of the hottest teams in the country entering Hoover, so another another nice win for Alabama. Maybe. Well, <laughs> I, sh I shouldn't say that now. For the Crimson Tide, three outs away for Alabama leading 7-3 to three over the Auburn Tigers in double elimination style. And when you write this baseball story for Alabama, I don't know if you could have written it any better, of course, as far as the agony of the way that they lost last night, the firing of their head coach with the gambling situation, and then looking at overcoming double elimination against your rival, the Auburn Tigers, and knocking them out of the tournament, possibly, I think that that would be a great way to to go ahead and survive in advance. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, you win today, you play tomorrow. They're in a single. You win, you uh, you lose to Florida last night, and now your every game is your SEC tournament hopes on the line. Alabama obviously has not won the thing since two, since two thousand three. So we'll see uh, we'll see what happens and if they can keep it going. But the SEC tournament it has provided not only extra innings but a lot of drama so far you either have had shutouts or extra innings that's what you've had at least you've only had one day of a rain delay but yeah, a walk off scoring four runs to walk it off for the Gators to me you wanted to see how Alabama was going to bounce back and going into pass almost midnight you wanted to see how Auburn on a quick turnaround was going to bounce back and today so i believe alabama gets a and m tomorrow if it, they hold on to win this one it, it, it's a situation where alabama again survive in advance and double elimination but to be where they are and to know that they are going to have life tomorrow friday that's that's big time for the crimson tides program as far as everything that they've gone through and auburn making it to the college world series a year ago I think that this Auburn Tigers team, if you were to ask their fans a month and a half ago if they would even have an opportunity, people were wondering whether they would even make the SEC tournament, much less have an opportunity to continue to host and, and play 
baseball for an opportunity to win a college world series. So, so kudos. And, and the tempers were flaring earlier today too. When we were watching Bronner, you, you had oh, yeah. Auburn's head coach Butch was heated. He, he was a little, a little upset, a little jaw jacking going on in jaw jacking. Yeah, you, you love to see that in a robbery game. As long as you're going to keep it clean, you, you definitely nothing wrong with with a lot of of trash talking in between the two teams. And that's exactly what we were able to see. And I know today we're going to going to have our Tide and Tiger report, of course, coming at five o'clock with Rodney Orr and Daryl Daffridge. And Daryl will be able to to kind of break down what he saw from this Auburn team and where they're going to go from here. And, of course, Andrew Spivey will will be talking a lot about what the Florida Gators have going on. And Lindsey Crosby also will break down the Auburn Tigers as well and, and works talk out. to Major League Baseball also. Works out nicely there with uh, with Lindsey. Lindsey's got to hop on with us right after Alabama takes down Auburn. I mean, maybe, maybe, we'll have a poke, maybe we'll have a poke or two there great timing when you look at it and on the other side of this break we'll talk a little bit about what we will see tonight in game number five of the NBA action because the Boston Celtics they stayed alive and didn't get swept a big time player for the Miami Heat not playing tonight so we'll see if Eric Spolster will be able to make the adjustments and compensate for that We'll talk about that on the other side of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Hey, this is Dabo Sweeney, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty along with Michael Brauner. Producer extraordinaire joining you this Thursday afternoon. And, of course, this evening, the NBA back in action. Will the Celtics get closed out and have an opportunity to, to work on what Michael Bronner says should be a new coaching staff? Well, I still say. I said if they got swept, I kind of still think. If, I kind of still think that if they lose tonight. I said. What they got to win two games to uh, to change my tune on that? I mean, I should hope they're like eight point favorites tonight. Well, you're you're back at home if you're Boston, and you you have Gabe Vincent out not playing. Told you, monitor that. He did before this series started. If you were to ask most average NBA fans or non NBA fans, had they even heard of Gabe Vincent? He comes into this series averaging he's had a, 17 and a half. He's had a really good playoffs, really good series. And he's, he's made Boston. a name for himself, but he won't play in game five. And Big. I think that if you see Miami getting beat the way that Miami was able to beat Boston a couple of games ago, you, you'll see Jimmy Butler take a seat and pack it up for game six. Kyle Lowry is going to have to play extra minutes because Gabe Vincent is not available for the Heat tonight. But what is Jimmy Butler going to do? And Bam Adebayo, are, are, are they going to find a way to close this out or are they going to go ahead and say, look, we'll, we'll just go back home, have an opportunity 
in two more days to play and close out the Celtics. Well, they're certainly not going to take the mindset of, oh, we don't have to close it out tonight because we can close it out in two days at home. I mean, you take that mindset, it's how you lose a series. But, no, so that's not the way they're thinking. But that doesn't mean they're going to be able to close it out tonight. No, I, I, I'd say the Celtics are, are going to handle business tonight. I think they'll finally play unlike they did in the first two games with no energy at home trying to feed off of the crowd. You, you have, you're supposed to have home court advantage for a reason. And the Celtics have earned home court advantage, and you expect them to play like it. You expected them to play like it in game one and two, and it, it just didn't happen. So now you're in a situation to where if it is a must-win game for the Celtics, which it is, you, you just don't want to lay down in front of your, your own home crowd and give those Boston fans a reason to boo you out of the building. Yeah. I mean, you can't lose three games at home that's, in that's one what series. I, I just can't see happening for the Celtics. That that would be catastrophic in regards to, to why you worked to get home court advantage. You, you found a way not to be swept. Kudos there because, again, the odds maker said you're going home. You're going to be swept in Miami. It's going to be over. And Boston fans, I know a lot of Boston fans, want them to play up to the potential that, that you expect to see out of a Celtics team. But I'm going to say it over and over and over again. Jason Tatum can't run from the ball in the fourth quarter, and you have to have Jalen Brown show up to score and match to where you have that one-two punch to second to none. Yeah, there have, hasn't really been a game that they've both showed up in, and so – Kind of throughout the playoffs, really, they've Celtics have kind of relied on all right, like we need one of Tatum or Brown to go off, otherwise we're going to lose the game. And for the most part, it's worked out for them. Obviously, they've they've gotten to the Eastern Conference Finals, but down three zero now three one. Uh, there really hasn't been that may, maybe Game Seven against Philly. Uh, obviously, Tatum had fifty one in that one, so it, you know didn't Brown could have could have stayed at home and it, it would have been fine, but. I don't have a stat line off the top of my head, but um, yeah, they, they feels like the Celtics. You know, they haven't had obviously they haven't had like a blowout win in this series. It kind of feels like they're due for one, and you know, just a, a start to even even in Game Four, like you brought it up the other day, they were down nine early and uh, had to fight off another Heat comeback in the fourth quarter. Like they they have not had that start to finish dominating performance since Game Seven against Philly. And so maybe they're due for one. Maybe, maybe it happens tonight. I, I think it's possible. I wouldn't be shocked to see the Celtics killing tonight. I, I mean, my predictions have been real off in this series, so I'm really... Everybody's predictions yeah, have been off. I'm not going to take Besides a strong stance. I'm not going to take a strong stance on that one. But I, if you're, you know, I'm on the radio, so you're, I'm, you're telling me I have to make a prediction. I'll, I'll say the Celtics win big tonight. The, the Celtics, to me, it doesn't even matter if it's big. It's a matter of, all right, we have to win this game in order to sustain our season and don't want. But they to haven't get played like a complete fourth four quarter game yet. That's that's in this series they have not. So and like that's the most disappointing aspect. You'd love to see that in game five at home, down three one, lost the first two games at home. So you'd love to just see a start to finish. Because again, like what did we say the other day? Like 
they're the better team. They're supposed to be the better team. There's a reason they're the two seed. Miami's the eight seed. So, you know, why 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 haven't they had that dominating four quarter performance? Well, I'll tell you why because they're severely outcoached and Joe Mazzulla is a bozo. But uh, <laughs> that being said, it's like I, they're due for it. They're I mean, they're due for but, it. But you look at game three, one twenty eight to one oh two, not even close. You look at the other night's game, 116 to 99, not even close. So coming in tonight's matchup, it pulled away. Yeah, it, it, it's it got to like five in the fourth. Up because in game two, 111 to 105 was the closest you're going to get in games one and two, 123 to 116. So you've had a five to seven point window in games one and two. Games three and four have been ridiculous as far as the competition down the stretch. And that's where the cream is supposed to rise to the top and seeing superstars do their thing. And that's not what you've seen in this series. You've seen Jimmy Butler be consistent in all rounds of the NBA playoffs. But outside of Jimmy Butler for the Miami Heat, minus Tyler Hero, now minus Gabe Vincent, without Victor Oladipo, how much deeper do the Heat have to go? Oh, they... I promise you there's there's some guy you haven't heard of on the Heat that uh that will step up tonight. There always is. Like we talked about Caleb Martin. The, the Heat just have a lot of guys. Their player development is like second to none. Uh so someone will step up and someone will play well for the Heat tonight. I don't know who it'll be, but like besides, in addition to Jimmy Butler obviously. Well, you're um, going to have to have someone who who's going to step up outside of Jimmy Butler. I I think Bam Adebayo can can give He's had a nice series. Yeah, he, he can give you good numbers. I don't think he gives you takeover numbers. But we'll see exactly what happens tonight in that game. And, of course, the Alabama Crimson Tide taking on Auburn. That game Double go final yet? And that game is now final. All right. The Alabama Crimson Tide have sweating. knocked out the Auburn Tigers of out of the SEC tournament 7-4. to four is the final score there with Alabama finding a way to stave off elimination coming off that heartbreaking loss that they sustained in the game last night, the walk-off home run where you scored three runs. And, and you need your pitching staff to find a way to get some confidence. And Auburn in the dugout just staring with their eyes glazed <laughs> over watching the Crimson Tide celebrate surviving and advancing. So what is that, the uh – the ninth win, major win for the Tide over the barn this this calendar well, I, year. I know, I, I know that it's been Alabama in a lot of series, and Alabama will take on the Florida Vanderbilt loser tomorrow night at six thirty. They they now play the lo- I think they play. I think Alabama plays A and M now. No, okay, so they play the loser of Florida Vanderbilt. Florida okay. Vandy loser is who the Crimson Tide will see, and and you would love the to get a second shot at Florida to redeem yourself, the number one team that was ranked. But what's been impressive too, Michael, is is some of these celebrations I've seen in the dugout. They had a hotel checkout cart that when someone hit a home run, they would put the player on the checkout cart and roll them down the dugout. And I've College seen a baseball crystal ball, awesome, a man. disco ball hat celebration. So the celebrations that they come up with or second to none in college baseball. And you have to be pretty creative when you're when you're looking at ways to 
to try to celebrate home runs because we know the the Major League Baseball they banned the the Atlanta Braves big, big cat celebration. <laughs> College baseball they just allow them to have fun in the dugout, and and it's yeah. evident to to what you see, and and credit to the Alabama Crimson Tide because. Even though they had a single elimination game against Kentucky that was a must win, they found a way to do it. Beat Kentucky 4-0. And then you turn around and you lose off a walk-off home run and give up four runs in the bottom of the 11. Nobody would have thought that that would have been a way to lose the game. But today it puts them facing their arch rival in Auburn and walking away with victory and now getting a chance either to see Gators or, or Vandy, which is going to be a tremendous game. Poor Barners, man. That's all right. That's all right. They're they're still gonna host a host a regional, I believe. So, I think that Auburn has definitely put themselves. We'll, 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 ask, we'll ask Lindsay about it. Frankly, both, so. both of them have have put themselves in in a great situation to to go ahead and really sustain their programs. And and speaking of sustaining a program, South Alabama, their football program as another quarterback out of the portal from Utah State and having four years of eligibility remaining, what what do you think about someone transferring out of the portal because they played three games at a Division One school and then have an opportunity to continue to play four years? I think it's using your minutes wisely, if you ask me. So he still has four years of eligibility? Absolutely. So why, why, in his case specifically, does he have four years of eligibility remaining? Because when you play under three games as oh. a freshman, he played under three games okay. for Utah State, and we're speaking of Bishop Davenport. That's a heck, heck of a name. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's, it's Bishop Davenport. Bishop Davenport, 6'2", 180 pounds, one start. Last year for Utah State, so it's not like he has not played big boy football. Was it against Alabama? <laughs> Was not. One star versus Wyoming as a true freshman. How'd he do? 27 of 44 on the season for 249, a touchdown and two interceptions. All right. He's a true freshman. But that's not too shabby. I mean, you're Did they win the game? What you're going to lose in Carter Bradley at South Alabama, I think that you have to go ahead and find a way to bring in a couple of other quarterbacks because we know Desmond Trotter being a senior, Carter Bradley being a senior. You signed true freshman Gio Lopez. I was about played, to bring him up. Yeah. yeah, he played for you in the spring, and that's important when, when you have that experience coming in early. And now South Alabama has had three Division One transfers since the spring. So South Alabama six-and-a-half-point underdogs to – Tulane in the DraftKings odds. I just less like than I would think. South Alabama has a lot returning. Yeah, it's six and a half is less than I would think it would be. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll see if they. I mean, it's a team that won New Year's Six Bowl last year, so they also lose a lot. So we'll see what happens. I mean, Tulane is certainly a program very much on the rise, or maybe they've peaked, but we'll see. <laughs> Well, I, I know last year was a magical ride for Tulane, and anytime you look at the odds, six-and-a-half-point favorites, it gives South Alabama an opportunity to continue to win. Andrew Spivey scheduled to join us next here on the final drive. We have a couple, of, a little bit of local flavor on that Florida roster. We'll talk about the Gators on the other side of the final drive when we come back. 
This is Jim Nagy, the Executive Director of the Senior Bowl. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. Football analyst for GatorCountry.com joins us here on the final drive. How's it going, Andrew? All right, Andrew, here we go. We just needed to get that out of the way. How are you doing, Andrew? I'm doing good, guys. How are you guys? Man, absolutely blessed by the best, man. I tell you, you know, it's that time of year to where you definitely have the SEC tournament. And, you know, whether you're a baseball fan or not, the way the Florida Gators walked off Alabama last night was something that was very, very interesting and fun to watch. And the Crimson Tide bounced back today, and the Gators are going to get a chance to take on Vandy. So that ought to be a lot of fun, too. But in the Florida Gators world, the spring training, how did everything go down in Gainesville? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Florida fans are a little, excuse me, a little bit happier with the baseball program than uh, spring went for football uh, after that spring game. But uh, luckily it's just spring football, and uh, they got a little bit of time before uh, the, uh, the fall goes. But, uh, you know, it was kind of status quo. Uh, still looking for a quarterback. Uh, Graham Mertz, you know, kind of was what we all kind of thought he was going to be. And, and that was just the guy. Uh, Jack Miller, you know, was back there. And he's just, you know, he, he is what he was in the bowl game. So Florida's still lacking that quarterback. And, you know, we, we, we kind of knew that going in, that uh, neither of those guys was going to really go out and just absolutely impress you. But it, it still stings when you go out and see a spring game and, you know, it's 48 total yards of total offense between the two teams in the first quarter. What you start to see a lot of, though, is you do start to see Florida dip into Mobile, Alabama from a recruiting standpoint. And they already have a young man from Faith Academy on their roster, but they would love to, to get some more 24 and 25 prospects, whether it's Anthony Tank Jones from St. Paul's or Ryan Williams and flip him from his Alabama commit. Florida has been nipping at Alabama's heels here in the Mobile Baldwin County area. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that, that's something that uh, Jim McElwain kind of started when, when, when he was uh, at the helm from uh, his Alabama days. And it's, you know, kind of trickled down. I mean, you know, when you think back, I mean, Michael P. Ryan had a really good career. Kadarius Tony did as well. And if you want to go back a little bit further, Solomon Patton uh, from the Murphy days, uh, you know, under Urban Meyer. I mean, you know, he didn't have all American numbers, but he was pretty good. And, uh, and I think that, you know, players are starting to see that. And, you know, every now and then you get some guys who kind of want to make their own path. And, you know, they don't mind going to Florida to not be the status quo and go to Alabama or Auburn. And like you said, Florida would absolutely love to flip Hollywood Williams. Uh, you know, I, I think he might be the best player in the country, no matter class, you know, classification this year. Uh, 24, 25, 26, I think he might be the best player in the country. They would absolutely love it. So I uh, had their running back coach, Jabbar Jaluk, down in town uh, last week uh, visiting a lot of high schools. I know he went to Blunt and Viger, uh, Sarah Land. So they're, they're hitting the area hard. 
Andrew, where do you land on the Anthony Richardson thing? I mean, they're not to rehash last season, but there's certainly from Florida fans specifically seems to be varying opinions on him as an NFL prospect. Obviously, Florida fans watch more snaps on him than anyone, and and I'm just you know I'm trying to figure it out. You know, I, I, I hate I hate the 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 topic in some ways because it feels like. You're bashing Anthony, and it's and it's not. You're not bashing him. Uh, he, he did what he could, um, but he just he wasn't very accurate last year. I mean, that's just that's simple facts. I mean, you know, when when the when the play was under ten yards, fifteen yards, he just was not very accurate. If you throw him a long ball or it was a spectacular run, he was really good. But you ask him to throw an out route, a slant, uh, a swing pass, he wasn't very good. Um, you know, he has all the physical tools to be great. Um, a lot of it is understanding that, you know, there's a time for a fastball. There's a time for a changeup. There's a time to take, you know, risk. There's a time to be safe with it. And um, all of that comes with experience. Uh, again, Anthony has 13 starts under his belt uh, heading to the NFL. Well, um, that was, you know, kind of one of my biggest things was he's going to have to now go learn at the highest level against the best of the best. Can it be done? Absolutely. But I think Colts fans have to be patient with him. It is going to take him a little time to, to get to where a lot of quarterbacks are. You take a guy like Bryce Young, for instance, guy has 30 more starts than Anthony Richardson does. He's got a head start. Florida and Georgia decided to go ahead and renew their rivalry in Jacksonville in 24 and 25. And I know at TIAA Stadium, there, there may be a situation where Jacksonville has some construction going on there. But do, are you a fan of the Florida-Georgia rivalry being played in Jacksonville and what they call the world's largest outdoor cocktail party? You know, growing up in Mobile, you know, I've been to the Iron Bowl. I, I've been to, you know, some of the some of the rivalry games. Florida Georgia is different. It's special. It's it's Jacksonville. It's on the water. That no matter what part of the game, somebody's cheering, somebody's mad. No matter at at the end of the game, there's going to be half the crowd laughing at the other side and cheering them on as they walk out with five minutes left in the football game. Um, it, it is one of the best atmospheres. In all of football, I you know I, I get the whole you know have it at home for recruiting purposes. I get it, but it's starting to where they've been able to allow recruits to come to the game. It's starting to become a big deal for those guys because they want to see the game. And I ask this question all the time, and I, I think Billy Napier is kind of in that same boat um, and same opinion I am, and that is prospects want to see the game anyway. That's what they come on visits for. What better atmosphere to see it at than Florida, Georgia? If you're a Florida fan growing up or a Georgia fan growing up, you know about that game. Being in Jacksonville special, it's a mistake if Georgia continues to push for this game to be moved. Um, it's a mistake from a Florida, Georgia standpoint. It's a mistake for the entire country who doesn't get to see this game being played in Jacksonville. Talking to Andrew Spivey covers florida for gatorcountry.com andrew let's talk about billy napier for a second obviously your one didn't go how anyone wanted to finish six and seven and i don't think the quarterback situation gets any better this year by any stretch i mean is billy napier 
I don't want to say on the hot seat entering year two, but it certainly has to be a, a little bit warmer. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a weird situation. Uh, you know, is the is the seat warm? No. Is the pressure building? Absolutely. Um, you know, you just six wins at the University of Florida playing in the Las Vegas Bowl. Isn't, isn't good. Um, you know, when you look at some of these predictions, and it depends on what, you know, what uh, site you look at, some of them have Florida finishing fifth in the SEC East. Uh, you know, fifth. The University of Florida finishing behind Vanderbilt in the SEC East. Um, is that Billy Napier's fault? Absolutely not. I mean, this is a damn Mullen problem of talent that he's been dealt, you know, not having a quarterback. He, uh, it, it's not his fault. But you know, if they win six football games, like most people, including myself, kind of think they will this year, next year's do or die almost. And and it's that's crazy to say, but but that's what it'll be. I, and and it won't be because Scott Strickland wants to let him go. It'll be because the fan base will turn against him. Boosters will turn against him. If you don't win football games, it's just it is what it is. And. I hate it because I think Billy Napier is the right guy. I think he can do it. I think he's been dealt a bad hand. But six wins, five wins at the University of Florida doesn't cut it. Shamar James from Faith Academy right here in Mobile, Alabama. What what difference does he make this year, not just from special teams, but from a defensive standpoint in this in this system? Yeah, I mean, he's one of the guys, that linebacker. Uh, you know, they brought in a couple of transfers who um, will play with Shamar, but Shamar will be on the field for probably 75 to 80% of the snaps this year. I mean, uh, Shamar's a different type of linebacker where he's that athletic linebacker that can really go cover guys in space um, as well as fill the gap and, and really, you know, clog up the running game there. Um, so he's really a three-down linebacker, and that's really something Florida doesn't have a ton of um, this year and, and and that's what they really really like about Shamar is just his ability to do everything you kind of want him to do. He can even go rush the passer um, you know his running back days really kind of showcase at linebacker and the biggest thing for Shamar he's just a smart guy uh, he, he's already one of the leaders on the defense simply because he understands where everybody needs to be at, at all times. And for Florida, that's a big deal because they lose Ventrell Miller, who was kind of their captain of the defense at that linebacker spot. Well, Andrew, of course, you look and everybody knows that Georgia has had one of the top recruiting classes in the country already. Of course, Alabama right there, probably at number two or number three. The Gators nationally. Where are they standing from a recruiting standpoint? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're doing well this year. Um, they have one of the top five quarterbacks in the country, and D.J. Lagway out of Texas committed to them. Um, they, they've landed two really good running backs. Uh, they've landed some good prospects, and, uh, you know, they're, they're in that discussion of, top five to top ten um, this year in, in recruiting. Uh, obviously, the summer months kind of decide where um, everything kind of fills up in the recruiting class. And, you know, you, you kind of start after the summer saying, okay, these are going to be your top 
top five, top ten schools, and I expect Florida to be that way. Uh, Florida's recruiting really well. They they've recruited really well in the 25 class as well. They they started to gain a lot of momentum there. So I, I think it, they'll have a really good class. Um, again, it's an op- it's one of those things where will Billy Napier really have the opportunity to coach these guys if things don't go right? I, a guy like Lagway, you're not expecting him to come in and play as a true freshman. You don't really want him to. So you hope the talk doesn't really interfere with this class if this year doesn't go um, as expected. Another kind. Of- Another sorry, Corey. Uh, another kind of rehashing question, but I mean, I think it's a, it was such a fascinating topic nil wise. The Jaden Rashada situation is committed to Florida, and then obviously ends up at Arizona State. Just for listeners that might not be aware of exactly what happened there, can you recap exactly what happened and how he ended up at Florida State? Absolute mess. I mean, it's just yeah. I he was. Well, he was going to originally commit to Florida in June uh, of his of this time last year. Uh, Miami made him a big NIL promise. Uh, he ended up going to Miami, committing to Miami. Well, then about November, Florida comes with a better NIL package, and they see an opportunity that's at Florida that might be a little bit better. So he flips to Florida. Everything seems like it's good to go. He goes to the Under Armour All-American game, says he's going to report to Gainesville the following week. Well, everything gets put on hold. Apparently, uh, there were some numbers from boosters that were uh, not accurate to one side of the uh, to the family, and you know, apparently, it was some boosters maybe not supposedly representing the University of Florida, and so uh, the two sides couldn't come to a number. And uh, Rashada wanted 13 million in an NIL bill. Florida wasn't willing to do that, and uh, so Florida released him, and he ends up going to Arizona State, where um, his dad played ball, and you know, kind of put Florida in the bind. I mean, that's why Florida's kind of looking at that no quarterback situation right now because they didn't sign a quarterback in 23 because they thought they had Jaden Rashada locked up. Andrew, can't thank you enough for your time this afternoon, getting us and keeping us up to date with things that are going on with the Florida Gators in the SEC. And how can everyone follow all your tremendous recruiting coverage and your outstanding continued coverage in the offseason of the Florida Gators? Absolutely. At GatorCountry.com and Andrew Spivey GC on Twitter. And uh, I always appreciate you guys allowing me to come on with you guys. Appreciate you for joining us this afternoon, Andrew. Have a great Memorial Day weekend, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Corey. Andrew Spivey joining us this afternoon here on the final drive. And when we come back on the other side, I'll ask Michael Brauner why his team always gets caught cheating in the NFL. Uh, why, why, why are the Patriots mm. always accused of cheating? They're always getting fined or cheated, something always, the some word, type of violation but, but, for mm. the New England Patriots. I'll, I'll talk to Bronner about that and find out why he always roots for the team that always gets caught cheating next here on the final drive. Hi, this is ESPN founder Bill Rasmussen and you're listening to WNSP Mobile. Welcome back to the final drive here. Corey LeBounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, joining you this afternoon. And earlier this afternoon, Alabama knocks off the Auburn Tigers 7-4. Ends the Auburn Tigers' postseason hopes. And Alabama has taken three out of four from Auburn this season. But 
Auburn's got a tremendous baseball player in Bryson Ware hitting his 24th home run of the season, setting an Auburn home run record for a single season, 24 dingers for Bryson Ware, and he's had that hot bat all season long. And I tell you, Bronner, your New England Patriots just continue to make headlines year after year after year in year after to, year after year yeah good bad or indifferent and this one is of the bad variety well the new england patriots can't even go to practice now they lose two practice you only get 10 for otas and now new england is stripped of two of those practices for violating the the, the work standards as far as not being candor and showing full cooperation in regards to having OTAs and then uh, allow time that the players can spend at the team facility. And w what's going on, man? Belichick doesn't have a watch. What what's going on with Belichick? Man, like one of the meetings ran long, or like one of the meetings he that have a watch? is supposed to be quote unquote optional was labeled as mandatory, even though the optional things are really mandatory to begin with. Just semantics. They take away two practices from us because of this. Just another classic example of the NFL trying to screw over the Patriots. What I mean, surprise, surprise. What's new? Just uh, you know, they robbed us of like three games last year from ridiculous referee calls see Keelan Cole's foot out of bounds for the Raiders before the Jacoby Myers unfortunate lateral. Everyone talks about the Jacoby Myers lateral. The game shouldn't have been tied to begin with because Keelan Cole's foot was out of bounds and then it should have been third down. Just another, they stole a touchdown from Hunter Henry yeah, on but, Thanksgiving against the Vikings. Honor, what does that have to do with knowing that you have four hours of OTAs, brother. Nothing. What's wrong with your Patriots? You still haven't answered the question. Ah, What's wrong with the Patriots and their head coach? Just some semantics. And, you know, I, my understanding is that this is another example of something that every team does, essentially. So, again, you know, you, I, I get, caught, you get caught. In the recent years, the Cowboys – Two years in a row ha have been in violation. The Bears. I, have I been think in this violation. happens pretty frequently. I think every team, probably all 32 teams, do it. But you know, one or two get caught every year, and whatever. Well, this well, year it happens it to the be the Patriots, Patriots always get. To me, it, it's got to be self-reported. The NFL doesn't have someone just standing there clocking their times. So internally, sounds like the Patriots have some problems, man. I, I think this is a nothing burger and you're making it into a something burger but it is unfortunate that we're getting two practices taken away hey you're the one you guys are the one with the losing record you need all the practices you can get i understand that's why i mean that's why i'm annoyed that the nfl is stealing two practices away from well, us let but. Me, how is the nfl stealing practices man when you guys can't tell time the nfl <laughs> can tell time how come bill belichick can't well yeah i i, I read a rumor that I, apparently it was Joe Judge who like kept the special teams group in a, in a meeting too long, which is honestly just like poetic. You exercise the demon of Matt Patricia, but you can't get rid of Joe Judge, and he's still around coaching the special teams. And so if if it actually was Joe Judge, like, uh, it's just poetic stuff. But whatever, it is what it is. A team that needs as many install days as possible loses two of them. So it's annoying, but. 
they'll they'll figure it out. Fifty thousand dollars is what it cost Bill Belichick. Personally, fifty thousand dollars out of Not Bill Belichick's Patriots, pocket. Bill Belichick. Yeah, directly out of Bill's pocket, which is nuts. Which is absolutely nuts. But yeah, you know, he'll he'll be okay. He makes like twenty million dollars a year. Well, I, I think that when you look at collective bargaining and, and the players knowing whether it's mandatory or not mandatory, you know, when you do have OTAs, you, you just, you definitely need to maximize those, especially for your rookies. And when you are taking away valuable snaps and opportunities to, yeah. to be in a facility and you got a new offensive coordinator who's hopefully going to make the offense competent. You want as many of those, like no like I question. said, install days as possible. So it do, it is unfortunate like that you can use as many of them as you can, but the NFL just doesn't want – the NFL wants to keep the Patriots down for the well, next couple the, of decades. The Patriots, of course, declined to comment, but somebody was commenting in that organization. Y'all have a mole There's a rat. within the Patriots <laughs> There's a rat. organization. We got to figure it we're out. We're going to send Bronner on a mission to find out who it is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on that this weekend. Uh, that's what you got to do. The final drive comes right back here, 4 o'clock hour, up next here on WNSP 105.5. From Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it. Number two of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey the Bounty, along with my producer Michael Bronner, joining you this Thursday afternoon. And we want to encourage everybody who has not done so to go to www.votenappies.com. WNSP nominated for seven awards there. So you have seven categories to where you can choose a WNSP winner and of course we would love it if you would vote for the final drive for the best sports show and you can find that under the media tab if you have not done so but seven nominations for WNSP and again Michael Braun and I would love for you to click on that tab under media and vote for the final drive for the best sports show and one of the best coverages that you'll find of the Auburn Tigers is from Lindsey Crosby and this afternoon in Hoover, Alabama, the Auburn Tigers were knocked out of the double elimination baseball tournament by their arch enemies. The Alabama Crimson Tide defeats the Auburn Tigers 7 to 4, but if you're looking for a little shining light for the Auburn Tigers, it looks like they put themselves in good shape to host the regional along with Bryson Ware hitting his 24th home run of the season, setting the Auburn record for home runs in the season. And, of course, now Lindsey Crosby joins us here on the final drive. Lindsey, how's it going, big fella? 
Sorry, I missed you there. I was busy voting for the final drive for uh, 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 for. <laughs> That's our guy. So, there you so. go. That's what I'm talking about, Lindsey. No, there you no go. problems Sorry about there, that. my. Hey, good good <laughs> deal there, my brother. Good deal, man. I tell you, it was it was a good deal. I don't know. Last night when Auburn finally had an opportunity to play Vanderbilt because of that mm -hmm. dramatic game that was played between Florida and Alabama. What time did the Auburn-Vanderbilt game finally conclude last night? Looking back, it looks like I filed my takeaways to AuburnDaily.com at 12.57 p.m. So the game ended after midnight, and it was a surprisingly quick game. That was only a two-hour and 35, two-hour and 40-minute game. It just took forever to get there because you had four games in one day. And it kind of felt like the team was a little bit tired today when they went out there to play, I don't know, 12, 13 hours later. But either way, Alabama pitched a heck of a game. Uh, that is the second time that McMillan has just absolutely shut down this Auburn offense. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad that both teams have played themselves into hosting spots for regionals. Yeah, I think that both teams, again, a month and a half, if you were to ask the Auburn fan that, that loves to watch baseball or just keeps up with the Auburn Tigers in general, you were wondering whether the Auburn Tigers, you were hoping that they wouldn't find themselves on the outside looking in to the SEC baseball tournament. And then all the sudden Butch Thompson gets things turned around for the Auburn baseball program and you start winning four or five series in a row and here it is now postseason announcements when they come out Sunday it does look like Auburn will be in good shape yeah Auburn going into today projected to be somewhere around a number 10 seat or so hosting a regional matched up with Vanderbilt to go to Nashville if they make it to supers and then projections had Alabama hosting a regional around 11 or so matched up with Stanford. I do think if Alabama makes a run and makes it all the way into the weekend into that championship round for the SEC tournament, they probably jump Auburn, which would mean if they made supers, it would be a closer trip. They'd be going to Vanderbilt versus going to Stanford, California. But either way, uh, both teams having spoken to folks at D1Baseball.com solidly in the hosting conversations, and I expect them both to be announced on Sunday. And the question now is, is the SEC going to get seven spots or a record eight spots, half of the field or half of the hosting sites being SEC schools? That's really the big question now walking into the weekend. Yeah, that's what you see a lot of in softball, the same thing when it began its tournament. But as far as last night before Auburn and Vanderbilt did play one another, what a dramatic finish between Alabama and Florida have you ever seen a game I know history was made last night in regards to the number of runs that Florida scored in that 11th inning but if you had to script one could you have scripted a game like the Alabama Florida game last night it's really hard to to write a story kind of like that one just the the dramatic swings of emotion back and forth thinking that okay yeah we're going to knock off number one seed Florida and do this. And then we turn around and give up a walk off home run to center later. But uh, it's been a fantastic two days of baseball. I'm really happy that we haven't had a bunch of rain delays. We've had some really good games and excluding that game last night, it's been a lot of lower scoring affairs, which is not something you traditionally see, especially recently in the sec with how scoring has gotten 
so much more prolific in the conference to have these these closer pitching matchups, but it's been a heck of a fun time. This is the best week of the year if you're a college baseball fan. Talking to Lindsey Crosby, locked on Auburn. He's our college baseball guru. He's our MLB. He's really just our baseball guru overall. Lindsey, uh, I mean, Auburn and Alabama have both been, you could argue, two of the hottest teams in the country entering the SEC tournament. What do you think it's been for both teams that has turned things around? For it's it's different reasons. For Auburn, it's definitely figuring out the rotation and getting that person to step up and and take that leadership position. For Auburn, it was Tommy Vale. From when he entered the rotation, he's been one of the best pitchers in all of college baseball over that stretch. And for Alabama, it ended up being you needed a galvanizing moment, and uh, that that Vanderbilt series was really where the team kind of rallied and came together. There's a, a thought process about when you go through some sort of difficult, uh, difficult experience together, how it brings a team closer together. And, all, and Alabama had really looked like it was just a bunch of people playing baseball before, whereas now, starting at that Vanderbilt series and all the way through the end of the season, it very much looked like they were a team playing together and playing for each other. It's something that it's hard to quantify, but it absolutely showed up on the field in the results in the end of the regular season for Alabama. Well, as far as Coach Bohannon being fired for his gambling controversy, I think that that sometimes you need that spark. It's kind of like what the Auburn Tigers needed when you have Brian Harson lead the program and Cadillac takes over and you have a sold-out Jordan-Hare Stadium. Same kind of analogy for the Alabama Crimson Tides team taking over as far as them just saying, hey, look, all we have is each other. Let's play for one another and let's get it done. And possibly I, I want to get your thoughts on the interim tag maybe being removed from Jason Jackson and him becoming the permanent head coach if Alabama's able to make some noise against Florida tomorrow. He has absolutely played himself into the conversation as far as at the very least He's earned himself an interview, a good faith, legitimate chance at winning the job. I do know that uh, some of the names that have kind of come out a little bit early have been uh, some pretty prestigious names. And so I would expect, I mean, we're talking about coaches from Wake Forest and Maryland and some programs that have done pretty well. I would expect you're in a position, have an interest who has rallied the team and uh, taken you into from the bubble to hosting a regional, uh, I expect Alabama to probably try to kick the tires on some of those prestigious, uh, uh, really well-regarded coaches. And if they can't get them to commit to coming to Alabama, removing that interim tag and make it final because he really has done great work this year. It feels like that, and that's not a unique to baseball or college baseball. It really feels like across sports, even, if, even when the interim coach does a great job, maybe – that doesn't usually work out when when you hire the interim coach and you get caught up in the emotion of like maybe we're having a different discussion say Alabama makes it to Omaha this year somehow but it it just feels like that generally doesn't work out so do you think that they pursue other coaches in the hopes that that you know they swing for a big name and if they miss do they settle for someone like would they be settling for coach Jackson or like is coach like this is still an audition like how do you see that process kind of playing out for me, it's swing for the for uh, uh, aspirational coaches, coaches that 
are a, a mover in the college baseball landscape if you bring them in. And if you're not able to bring one of those coaches, then it becomes an open competition between Coach Jackson and some of the other candidates. So it's not – you're not going to automatically settle for him. He's not at the point – as far as resume, where you can really do that, kind of like how Cadillac Williams was not at the point where Auburn could legitimately make him a candidate for the coaching position, but it was definitely a, we definitely are going to keep you as part of the program. You've earned that. Same situation here. Uh, Coach Jackson isn't necessarily your choice one or two or three. Shoot for a bunch of fantastic coaches that are no doubt we have to bring this guy in. And if you can't get him, then he's a legitimate candidate in your pool in a more traditional search. I know we were looking at Auburn's roster before we started the season about the number of Spanish Ford slash Mobile Alabama guys that were on this Auburn roster, Nate LaRue being one of them. And I know that, again, just the season that these local guys have been able to have, whether it, I know that Keyshock didn't play a lot as far as being from Spanish Fort, but Auburn and the representation that was there by Nate LaRue, talk about his growth throughout the entire season. Nate LaRue is somebody that he started a little bit slow offensively, and I, I say a little bit slow, you know, trying to be polite about it, but Butch Thompson stuck with him because he said that he had this, this toughness and he had this determination, and that's something that is – a lot of the players that come from uh, from that part of the state, from the Mobile area, just one, the baseball IQs are fantastic, and they seem to really understand the culture that Butch Thompson's putting in. And so he stuck with Nate LaRue, and Nate absolutely paid that off. Defensively, Nate LaRue was probably the best defender on the entire team, led the SEC in pickoffs, as well as being one of the better uh, catchers against stolen bases. The offense picked up back half of the conference schedule. He batted something like 260 or 280 uh, with multiple home runs in the back half of the conference schedule. And it's just something where he has that determination, a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. He's not going to let anybody outwork him. He's not going to let anybody out-hustle him. Uh, he's going to be the first one in and the last one out. And uh, he rewarded Auburn with the consistency in the defense. And his game calling is one of the main reasons that Butch Thompson credits this entire season's turnaround and it's all because of Nate LaRue and what he was able to do behind the plate. So Mobile, Alabama may not have racked up 20 or 30 home runs on this Auburn baseball team, but they absolutely have earned a lot of the credit uh, for what this team was able to do and the fact they're going to be hosting a regional. The Atlanta Braves in Major League Baseball in their last 10 games have been five and five, but the Mets really haven't been able to pick up a lot of ground. Will the Braves continue here over the next 10 games or so to, to stay above 500 and continue to keep that distance and that five-and-a-half game lead on the Mets? You, you absolutely hope so. You have a four-game set with the Phillies who are reeling. I want to say they're three and seven in their last 10. They're below 500 and only a game or a game-and-a-half ahead of where the Nationals are. Uh, and then you get to play three games against the Oakland Athletics. And a team that is running into worst team in baseball history territory. Plus, I feel really good about tonight. Uh, it's outcast night in Truist Park. I feel really, you know, big boys throwing <laughs> yeah. out the first pitch. They've got a bobblehead. I feel really good about tonight's game. Uh, this is just one of those things. 
It's the off-the-field stuff, but it feels like it's going to go well for Atlanta. I would say these next seven games, you see the Phillies for four, A's for three. Atlanta's probably going five and two in those seven games, uh, if not better, simply because uh, they have just about everybody hitting. The pitching has stabilized with, with Jared Schuster and tonight prospect Dylan Dodd starting. And uh, Austin Rowley's heated up. Marcelo Zuna's having a fantastic May. So the offense has picked back itself back up. And you don't have to face division-leading teams like the Dodgers and the Rangers in the next stretch of a week or so. Lindsay, I'm just impressed that the Atlanta Braves are having outcast bobblehead night. How can you go wrong having outcast night representing one of ATL's finest hip-hop groups of all time coming out and having their own bobblehead? You can't lose with ATL and outcast bobblehead night. I believe that's actually in the city of the city of Atlanta's uh, charter. You're not allowed to lose Outcast Night in Truist <laughs> Park. They've got food trucks. They've got artists. They've got all. This is a this is a big production. Like I said, big boy throwing out the first pitch. All of the graphics and everything. All the music in the ballpark. I actually have somebody. I bought somebody tickets for tonight's game just so they could get me that Outcast bobblehead. So it's going to be a great night for the Atlanta Braves, and then they're going to go on. And this is gonna, this is going to be that'll be two straight wins. And that'll be the catalyst to take them on this next little, uh, this next little week or so of winning. They're gonna drop these bows like Dusty Rhodes. It's gonna be great. <laughs> I love it. Love the reference, Lindsay. My brother, just staying up to date with the Outcast references, and, and we can't thank you enough for for getting that nappy boat in there for us <laughs> as well. Thank you very much for that, and also appreciate all your coverage of the Auburn Tigers. Look forward to seeing how the regionals are set and what will happen here on Selection Sunday as Auburn does bow out to Alabama today, 7-4. to four, And you, it's just – they got a little chippy today, talking mm -hmm. back and forth in between the dugouts. So you, you know that it's Alabama and Auburn when you get some trash talk going on. But we'll see if, if Auburn's able to hold on and make that push in the College World Series here in the weeks to come. But we're going to make sure we, we have you on next week to keep us updated on how Auburn's doing and how the Atlanta Braves are doing as well. Lindsey Crosby, how can people lock into all your great coverage? The hub for everything, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. You can check out the Auburn baseball coverage, auburndaily.com. You can check out the minor league baseball coverage, Locked on MLB Prospects, and the Atlanta Braves coverage, bravestoday.com. Lindsay, thank you so much, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks for having me, Corey. Surprised Michael didn't talk more trash today. Yeah. Oh, I, I knew, I knew you were, I knew you were sad, Lindsay. I, I, I figured I, I'd just let you sit on that one. We'll, we'll see what happens in the postseason. Appreciate it, Michael. Thank you, buddy. We'll talk next week. Lindsey Crosby here on the final drive on WNSP. Outcast night, man. Outcast night. I, I, you can't go wrong with Some outcast. Aliens coming out. It, it, I know this much. The fact that Outcast and big boys in the building in the ATL, they, they better not lose. They won't lose on Outcast night. the end of that. They're not allowed to lose on Outcast night. The final drive will be right back. Corey LeBounty along with my producer, Michael Bronner. Hi, I'm Joe Godfrey. I'm a big fan of 105.5 WNSP Sports. Welcome back. Corey LeBounty along with my producer, Michael Bronner, joining you this Thursday 
afternoon. And of course, things didn't go the way the Auburn Tiger family planned a year ago. The Brian Harson era is one that a lot of Auburn Tiger fans would love to forget. And it's <laughs> been it's been a while since we've heard I won't, anything. I won't let him from Coach Harson. It's been a while. And ESPN's Auburn family was finally right. able to get in touch and sit down and talk to Brian Harson. Now, I will say this. $15 million as far as from a buyout will make you have a lot less worries. And I, I do believe that Coach Harson will will and will want to coach again. And whether that's anywhere in the South, I seriously doubt, doubt that. But let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Let's say you got fired tomorrow. Yep. And you got handed not fifteen million, but whatever the equivalent is. You, you never you may you get handed a buyout to that you never need to work. Sure, fifteen sure. million. Why not fifteen million? Uh, would you, would you ever want to ever want to work again? Absolutely, I would. I would definitely. I think coaching is in Brian Harson. Coaching's blood. a little bit different. You know, these guys are. You know, well. Ask Brian Harson. You're talking about a guy who didn't visit Thompson High School in his two years at Auburn, so so maybe he doesn't love the uh, the recruiting aspect as much. But now these guys are built differently, so you I'm know, sure he does he, want to coach again. Have, but he didn't have problems coaching at Boise when when he was there. And no, I, he, I know that he was good. I mean, Auburn hires him for a reason because they saw something in him. It just we're just going to settle here, and, and, and maybe not the first choice, maybe not the second choice, but I'm quite sure. 9 and 12 over a two season period was definitely not what any Auburn Tiger family uh member thought but <laughs> you know him having to bounce back from it he says and quote it was difficult to get out and see anybody to meet people during the covid pandemic of course no one was allowed to do that and uh here's a quote from coach Harson I wasn't going to let it eat at me no matter how some of the things were that my family had to endure. Mm. There were things we didn't like. There were things that were disappointing on and off the field that I wish I could have done better. And there were things where we got a chance to see some of the worst in people. End quote right there from Brian Harson. And I'm quite sure a lot of Auburn Tiger fans would have that to say about Brian Harson. They, they don't want to remember his era of football. And they just want to know the fact that quarterbacks like Bo Nix, either is good Bo or bad Bo, but he's moved on now. And I know earlier this week you had an opportunity to, to write an article about looking at some of the potential quarterbacks in the 2024 class that could be coming here to Mobile, Alabama and playing in the Senior Bowl. And Bo Nix is one of those guys. Yeah, it's a loaded class. Uh, Bo Nix is probably the biggest name, maybe not the biggest name, but certainly – I mean, he's going to have a big year. Obviously, he had a career season in his first year at Oregon under Dan Lanning, first-year head coach as well, uh, in 2022. And, you know, really became the quarterback that Auburn fans hoped he was going to be uh, in 2022. He, he was phenomenal, and Oregon was very good. Obviously, they, they were pegged early because uh, they got shellacked by Georgia and rightfully so really uh but ended up having a really good season and bo nix was really good but outside of bo nix it, it's uh it's really a who's who of names you're talking about joe milton at tennessee who i you know 
think could be this year's Anthony Richardson in the draft if he ends up having a really good season. He has his giant arm. He could end up being one of the more exciting players of college football. You got Jaden Daniels at LSU. How about this one? Spencer Rattler at South Carolina. He almost entered the draft last year, but decided to come back to try to raise his draft stock, which obviously coming to the Senior Bowl could certainly do. Sam Hartman, formerly at Wake, now at Notre Dame. It's quietly been one of the best quarterbacks in the country over the last couple of years, and now he gets a chance to do it on a bigger stage at Notre Dame. Other than that, you know, you got Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma, former UCF. John Reese Plumley. SEC fans will remember him from Ole Miss, but now the, the hybrid baseball player and quarterback at UCF. KJ Jefferson at Arkansas, Will Rogers at Mississippi State, Cam Rising at Utah. I mean, there's a bunch of guys that could end up down here in Mobile. The depth of quarterback is something that you love to see in the Senior Bowl, of course. But if you had to pick one that you think would have the best draft ability and you think it could make the biggest impact, of course, you, you, you've talked about why the Texans should not have drafted a quarterback because what's available yeah. there – moving forward but you're talking about senior bowl guys specific because caleb senior, williams senior bowl yeah. specifically obviously caleb williams and drake may are, are looked at as the top two guys but they'll be coming out after their junior year so uh won't be here at the senior bowl and guy like caleb williams uh, it's kind of similar to bryce young doesn't really need to be at the senior bowl i mean jim Nagy himself said it this guy like that a prospect so hyped up like that doesn't get any benefit of coming to the senior bowl so looking at these guys specifically uh, I would probably say Joe Milton just because I, I think the ceiling there is so high. Uh, like, obviously, we saw what happened with Anthony, Rod uh, Anthony Richardson, rather. Uh, you know, these guys who have the quote-unquote tools is what teams are in love with at this point. So, I mean, Joe Milton ends up having a huge season at Tennessee. He, he will be a first-round pick. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see that. And they have Nico Imaleva behind him. I, I wouldn't think Joe Milton's going to stay for two years by any means. Jaden Daniels is a guy at LSU who could end up rising up draft boards. not really being talked about. And Spencer Rattler's an interesting one, too. You're talking about a guy who was looked at as – Going into college, one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and it just never worked out for him at Oklahoma. Caleb Williams emerged, and he was kind of an afterthought this season. But then South Carolina beats Tennessee and Clemson at the end of the season. Rattler's looking really good, so we'll see what happens with him this year. And these are all predictions going into the 2024 that Jim Nagy and his great Reese's Senior Bowl crew will have an opportunity to look and evaluate quarterbacks and and make sure that you you file this one away Michael Bronner because I would love to see how many off of this list yeah. are actually invited yeah you can't have when, all of them so, so that that's why I want to see how many off of this list are invited and who you think has the biggest upside now when you start looking at Joe Milton taking over for Hendon Hooker at Tennessee I understand the type of season that Hendon had at Tennessee but that to me that that's a little bit of a tough evaluation because he did have that phenomenal bowl game. Yeah. And it was against a, a Clemson team to where he absolutely lit up. But Milton was good. I, I just don't know coming into this season, I know where Coach Hypo wants his 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 ceiling to be. And if he does have a great season, would that one year equate to getting that senior bowl invite? Now, oh yeah. I, uh, the country has seen a lot of Spencer Rattler. Saw a lot of them at Oklahoma. Yeah. Was really shocked. I know he didn't want to get benched, but 
going to South Carolina and competing in the SEC was probably the best thing he could have done. Yeah, I agree. And having an opportunity to show his capabilities because he didn't want to hold a clipboard. He didn't mm -hmm. want to sit behind anyone at Oklahoma. And I don't blame him. Yeah. I would have transferred out of Oklahoma as well. And he made the best decision coming to the SEC yeah. and showed the ability to, to be great at times. But when you look at Sam Hartman. I think that's another one who could end up sneaking into the first round. I mean, look at his 2021. He had 4,000 yards, 39 touchdowns, 14 picks, 38 again this this season, and he missed a game. He He's like, he's a really, really, really good quarterback. Can, can he stay healthy? Yeah. that That's a, a question, too. And I know that any quarterback, I, I've seen K.J. Jefferson do some electric things. At Arkansas, yeah. Will Rogers has already rewritten Mississippi State's been, record book. Been there for a million years, it feels like now. So we'll see how all these quarterbacks do. And I encourage you to go check out the article that oh, Michael Brauner wrote on all these potential senior bowl quarterbacks coming into 2024. And when we come back, we'll take a look at the preseason all-conference SEC players according to Athlon Sports. We'll dig into that. We, of course, talked about the number that South Alabama had. We'll talk about the number that Alabama and Georgia have in the Athlon preseason All-American list as well. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5. We'll be right back. War Eagle, this is Butch Thompson, head baseball coach at Auburn University. You're listening to WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. want to thank everyone for tuning in this afternoon. And don't forget, www.votenappies.com. Of course, you can click under the media section. And then after you click on that tab, best sports show for the final drive is where you can go. And, of course, WNSP nominated for seven Nappy Awards. So you have an opportunity out of those seven chances to go ahead and vote for the final drive under the media tab. We would love your vote there. And, Michael, we were talking about the preseason all-conference SEC players on Athlon. And I think that, of course, we have no question as to who goes atop that list without question. From a quarterback standpoint? Just from an all-conference standpoint. I mean, whether it's first team, second team, you have Alabama with only one representative from an offensive standpoint. Any surprises there? Alabama with only one representative. Uh, I'm going to guess Kool-Aid McKinstry on, on that one. From an offensive standpoint. Oh, from, oh, from an offensive That's standpoint. Right. It's got to be J.C. Latham then. Yes, it is. One Alabama offensive lineman, of course, when you look at the 2023 all-conference team, according to Athlon Sports, offensive lineman J.C. Latham. Now, who do you think is the first team all-SEC quarterback? Well, I know we're playing a game here, but admittedly, I, I looked at these yesterday. So <laughs> to to, uh, to to spoil things, I I do know it's KJ Jefferson, but uh, yeah, I could I I couldn't make a bit up on the spot of that. But no, it's interesting though. The class of returning quarterbacks to the SEC is not 
you know, it doesn't knock your socks off by by any means. It, KJ Jefferson's been good and and can certainly be electrifying at times when he's at his best. But you know, the to to talk about him as the the best returning quarterback in the SEC, I'll tell you what. Like looking at these rankings, I think a lot of these guys that are on the first team, especially quarterback wise, because I believe the second team guy is Will Rogers, uh, who again is like a fine quarterback, but is not you know he's not blowing you out of the water by any means. Uh, you know, I think a lot of these guys on this list in the preseason will not be on the list in the postseason. I think we'll be talking about the Joe Miltons and the Carson Becks of the world at the end of the season. First team all offense, according to Athlon Sports, quarterback K.J. Jefferson from Arkansas, running back Quinshawn Jutkins. He's and I, I think that, to me, I, I won't argue with Quinshawn's ability yeah. because what he showed you as a as a true freshman was phenomenal. Running back. Raheem Sanders from Arkansas, your all-purpose player, Anais Smith from Texas A&M, and your wide receivers are where it becomes interesting also. Juice Wells from South Carolina, wide receiver Evan Stewart from Texas A&M, and wide receiver Malik Neighbors from LSU. You have to have Brock Bowers at tight end. To me, he's one of those guys that is NFL-ready now and was NFL-ready as a freshman. Cedric Van Praan from Georgia at center. Offensive lineman Javon Foster from Missouri, Bo Limmer from Arkansas, J.C. Latham from Alabama, and Will Campbell from LSU. But only one Alabama in the secondary, Kool-Aid McKinstry at corner, and then defensive lineman, a lot of respect given to sophomore Jaheim Otis. Jaheim Otis is a beast. Man. He, he, he very well might be the best player on this Alabama defense. He's... <laughs> I think he's due to explode this year. The way he's transformed his body, I covered him in the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game, and he was well over 300 pounds. I would say he was probably pushing 330. And for him to transform his body and and get down to a great playing weight, this is a young man who's shown, look, he, he's about his business when it comes to trying to be three years and done out of Tuscaloosa and transform his entire fortune there. And if he's able to continue to shred defenses the way he shredded pounds at Alabama, Jaheim Otis is going to be one of those guys that the entire country is going to be talking about. But for Athlon to put him on a first-team defense as a defensive lineman with not a lot of playing time a year ago, Look, that that speaks volumes. Uh, he, he of, was of cer- what they think of. He was certainly a contributor, and, and you know he he was phenomenal in that Arkansas game. And uh, I'd have to look back at his stats and see how many sacks he had. But he certainly had a few, and it's not what he specialized in. Probably more of a run stopper than anything. But yeah, uh, I think these lists are more of a prediction than anything. And so, I obviously Athlon feels the same way. Jaheim Otis is a guy who's. The, really the sky's the limit with this kid. He's been on the national scene since, since like, eighth grade cause, or seventh grade even because he was so big. Uh, and you mentioned it. He's lost so much weight and turned himself into just an absolute monster since he's been at Alabama. And he's he's due, man. He, he's going to be an absolute stud. Punt returner is Kool-Aid McKinstry, and your kicker is Will Reichert. Any question that Will Reichert put his name into the hat to go pro, and I think that him coming back adds another weapon, a vital weapon to this Alabama team that without him, again, you you don't, he and Bryce both against Texas, you don't win that game. And I know he had the one game yeah. where he absolutely struggled. And 
he could have won the game against Tennessee. But as he, far I think as he was actually back, the I think he was the one against Tennessee who didn't get brutalized. If I'm not mistaken, he might he might have not really been targeted a whole lot in that game because you know the entire rest of the secondary was leaking. But Kool Aid, it's interesting. He he's the punt returner on here, and he probably still will be returning punts this year. Kool Aid for me at least is entering the category the rare 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 category of too important to return punts because like if he goes down and gets hurt, man, that's that's an absolute death blow to your secondary which it, i mean you can't you cannot have he I, mean, I understand he's phenomenal at it uh he's so shifty and and he really is a weapon back there but you got a roster full of guys man you got like five slot guys who are sh small and shifty and could probably return punts and i understand there's more to it than meets the eye and you know just ask bill belichick and nick Saban; they could probably tell you talk for five hours about the intricacies of returning punts and i'm sure kool-aid is particularly skilled at it but really like He's so critical to that defense that I wouldn't – I'd be nervous every time he's returning a punt this year. Whether it's Athlon Sports, College Football Preview, or Field Steals Magazine, you, you're still going to see the most nominations probably of any team with the Georgia Bulldogs. And 15 selections from Georgia. Alabama has 12. LSU, South Carolina, Mississippi State, and Missouri each hit – with double-figure picks, and I, I don't know if you're an Auburn Tiger fan. You know, you, you defensively coming back and offensively coming back, you're like, okay, do we have any Auburn Tigers on the list? And of course, from a second and third team standpoint, yeah, you know, you you could have some guys that are gonna make a difference if they're on the roster. Jarquez Hunter from Auburn cracks the second team list and defensively Auburn has none so any surprise there that Auburn going through a transition with the new coach no first or second team outside of Jarquez Hunter not really I mean they lost key pieces of their defense and you know Derek Hall and Owen Popo and Colby Wooden like I, I don't know who on their defense you you would throw in there like maybe like Nehemiah Pritchett but I you know I don't know who, who who you'd really throw in there. I would um, love to see – I want to see DJ James show up. He's sure. another local guy that I think he's on the third team defense and I think could be a difference maker in the secondary for Auburn as well as Justin Rogers from a defensive line standpoint makes the third team defense. But anytime you do have someone with local flavor, which is DJ James playing cornerback, the transfer coming out of Spanish Ford, leaving Oregon and coming back to Auburn and deciding to stay at Auburn. He's a guy that I know the Reese's Senior Bowl has a spotlight on, so I would love to see him continue to increase his value so he can play in front of the hometown teams as well and put up great numbers for Auburn. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5 will return right after this break. This is Reese Dismukes. You're listening to 1055 WNSP. The final drive back here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with my producer, Michael Brauner. And of course, at 5 o'clock, scheduled to have the Tide and Tiger report. And 
going to have a special guest scheduled to join us on the Tide and Tiger Report. Former Theodore star, Alabama All-American, and current New York Jet, C.J. Mosley, scheduled to join us at 5 o'clock. So looking forward to getting in touch with C.J. Mosley. And, of course, from an Auburn standpoint, Daryl Daprich and try to get Rodney Orr in there as well from the tighter insider but looking forward to hopefully talking with cj mosley here on the final drive at five o'clock and of course today alabama knocks off the auburn tigers in the sec tournament and it's not just a game it's an elimination game so for alabama to take three out of four for from the auburn tigers that's big time and of course when you look at one of our biggest sponsors, Future Ones is one of our biggest sponsors, and we appreciate Future Ones for jumping on with us always. And Alabama and Auburn again bouncing back today in the SEC tournament, three out of four on the season. Bryson Ware hits his 24th home run of the season, setting an Auburn record for home runs in the season, and Alabama doing a lot with interim coach Jason Jackson. And Alabama can possibly host its first regional since 2006. So that's historic in and of itself when you look at it from an interim standpoint. And always no interim in Gus Smith. One of the future one founders just finished up with his spring games this past Saturday, and he had some local flavor in it with BC Rain coming and playing Coach Vickery out of Tuscaloosa. Gus, good afternoon. How's everything going, my friend? Hey, what's up, Corey? How y'all doing? Man, absolutely blessed by the best. And Gus, I know you guys had a big spring game. You had Center Point, a little jamboree, Center Point, BC Rain. Of course, you had Coach. Mike Vickery in out of the Tuscaloosa area. And, of course, your Gordo team taking over. So I know you were excited to get that in. Yeah, it was pretty awesome to see all those teams on our field up here. You know, it was good to see a couple of future one teams up here. And Coach Bates and those guys made the trip over after their game at Briarwood got uh, canceled because that, you know, tragedy with their principal and all that stuff. So, yeah, it was it was great to have all those teams. I mean, it was a sight to see. We had uh, a different team in our weight room and our locker room and our, our coach's office. It was just teams everywhere kind of waiting to play. It was like a like a big travel ball tournament or something for football. It was, it was a neat experience for everybody. Well, you know, talking about a neat experience, it's the experience that Future Ones delivers, whether it's from a track and field uniform, whether it's from a spirit pack uniform, whether it's the reversible jerseys that you can provide to middle school and practice teams. Future Ones name brand apparel for sure at low cost prices, but locally owned and operated. That's the beauty of Future Ones. Yeah, we're right here in Mobile. Uh, you know, we're trying to take over the state of Alabama. That's kind of our goal is to, uh, you know, to give coaches in Alabama an opportunity to, you know, have something different. Um, you know, they've been kind of held down by one brand for so long here and one company for so long here. They've been looking for options. And, you know, we're here for, you know, not only the high schools, but the middle schools and parks and, you know, corporate events and 
uh, companies, you know, we pretty much have it all. We can do everything from embroidery to screen printing uh, to custom uniforms. Um, we're full team sales, so whatever anybody needs, we pretty much have in, in this sports category. Have about a minute here left with Gus Smith, co-founder of Future Ones, again, locally owned and operated. And if you want those custom sneakers for them, roaming the sidelines for your team, whether it's during this AAU basketball season, travel ball, you guys not only do cleats, you guys can handle shoes, you can handle apparel and everything in between. Future One's a one-stop shop. How can people reach out to Future One's in the best way to take a look at your inventory? Yeah, www.futureones.com. It's the word future, the number one S dot com. So www.futureones.com. And I'm glad you mentioned those shoes, man. They've been killing it uh, lately. Everybody's, uh, you know, been calling about those. That's a that's a big item for us right now. So we don't have to compete with the other brands because you can have your own brand of shoe with your logo on there. And um, yeah, those things are pretty awesome. So I'm glad you brought that up. Gus Smith, you can reach them at one 877 or sales at future, the number one S dot com. Gus Smith, thank you so much for your time. And as always, our official apparel provider of WNSP, and we'll talk to you again next week. Yeah, thanks, Corey. Y'all take care. Gus Smith joining us this afternoon. Of course, Future One's the official sponsor of the AHSAA as well top of the hour we have cj mosley scheduled to join us the tide and tiger report also coming up next here on wnsp Tiger Report on 105.5 FM WNSP. An hour of the latest news and reports from the Plains and the Capstone with Corey LeBounty and Michael Bronner. Brought to you by State Farm Agent Heath Parker and Dr. Chris Walton of Premier Medical Eye Group. Streaming live on the Sound of Mobile app, here are Corey and Michael. Welcome to the Tide and Tiger Report. Corey LeBounty, along with my producer, Michael Bronner, joining you this afternoon. And, of course, when you jump into the Tide and Tiger Report, none better to wear the crimson and white than our next guest here on the final drive in the Tide and Tiger Report. Pro bowler and native mobilian C.J. Mosley joins us this afternoon. C.J., thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us this afternoon. How's everything going? Roll tide, roll tide. Everything's going well. How about you? I'm too blessed to be stressed. Absolutely roll tide, roll tide. And I, I tell you, I know that when you bleed crimson and white, you bleed crimson and white. It doesn't matter what sport it is. Of course, Alabama baseball today knocking off the Auburn Tigers out of the SEC tournament 7-4. to four. It's always good when you get that big rivalry win, isn't it? Oh, it's awesome, Mom. It's a, it's a great time to brag. Like we say, it's a, it's a brag for 365 days until the next meeting. Yeah, absolutely, CJ. And I know things are quite busy for you in OTAs and in Jets country, but I want to kind of go 
backwards before we move forward in your time here at, at Theodore High School and experiencing high school football along the Gulf Coast and playing for Eric Collier that got you ready and prepared to go ahead and take your talents to the Crimson Tide to where you were a two-time national champion there. Talk to us about what it meant to play football here locally along the Gulf Coast against some outstanding talent every Friday night. Yeah, um, you know, always big shout-out to the South. Um, you know, sports in general, some of the you know, greatest athletes came out of there, but anybody can tell you, you know, football is the number one sport. So uh, football is my first love and, you know, hasn't left my heart yet. So just being able to grow up, you know, play football with, you know, some of my childhood friends from, you know, peewee football through middle school, playing against some of my friends and um, everybody through high school, you know, being able to experience, you know, experience all that and see people grow, see them go through college and, you know, you get to watch watch those guys you battle with and have relationships with, uh, you know, throughout your throughout your childhood, through high school and watch them ball and get to college, you know, and if you've been fortunate enough to make it to the NFL, man, it's just a, it's a blessing to be a part of and, and obviously just a, you know, obviously a, best, a blessing to, um, say that you know I, I know a lot of a lot of players a lot of men that that have to you know sometimes take the hard path or um, fight through some some circumstances but you know um, through throughout everything they they made their way cj you were at alabama during what really was a golden era of, of nick saban football and hopefully those days aren't over and alabama can get back to it but just talk about that experience for a minute uh, it was great. I mean, everything that, that I learned from Alabama through Coach Saban, um, obviously just being in college on a campus like that where you really have to manage your school. And, um, you know, for us, our job as a, as a football player, as a student athlete. So um, just a lot of a lot of learning lessons and um, advice and, you know, learning from the, well, the vets that, that, I, that I grew up with going to Alabama. Uh, just being able to experience those things, experience the wins, the losses, being able to travel places that I never thought I would go as a child through football, uh, through Alabama. So I'm really just, just uh, being honored and blessed to you know, still be able to play this game and play it at a high level and have some, some great people that's been on my side and with my family for a long time. CJ, it's all about that family, and you're not able to do anything without family. Talk to us about what your Theodore family and your mom and, and having the opportunity to have your brother and to kind of mentor him a little bit when he came to the capstone and followed in your footsteps. Of course, I, I think that when I watched him play, he was probably a little bit better offensive player than his older brother, but I know that it was fun to see him join you for the Crimson Tide and be able to mentor him to that next level also. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, actually funny. Uh, he, he did play some defense, but, yeah, he was a uh, quarterback while he was at Theodore. So um, his, his actually his last, his last game as a senior, uh, he threw the winning touchdown to, to um, Jerry Gibson, one of his best friends um, out of Theodore. And he actually, he went to University of Minnesota to play ball as well. So just, just to go back and kind of, you know, go, be going through like what I was going through in college and have my experience, then it's good to come back and see my, see my brother throw, uh, you know, his last touchdown to win the game as a senior. And that was a, that was a special moment for me, so um, I definitely think about that a lot. So um, the Theodore community, the Theodore family, Theodore High School, Hankins Middle School, man, just so many, so many great memories and, and friendships, um, and you know, family friends that that we met and that we grew with as we got older. 
CJ, when you grew up, did, did you know or hear about the name Dick Buckus? Did that mean anything to you as a football player growing up? Yeah, um, you know, Dick Buckus was, was well known as, you know, one of the, the rough and tough uh, old school linebackers of the Chicago Bears. Um, my, my mother and father uh, are from Chicago, so a lot of family ties up there. So uh, we were big on Chicago football, so I knew I knew all about the Bears and, you know, the Bulls. And uh, White Sox, Cubs, all that. I was a big Chicago fan. Now, me and my brother used to go up a lot when we were younger uh, and go visit there in the summer. So Chicago is definitely like our second home. I, I find that interesting because so many players don't know the roots of the game. And to me, you have to have that foundation. And it's interesting that your family being from Chicago, you knowing all about Dick Buckus and, and winning the Buckus Award in your time at Alabama, meaning you're the, the nation's elite linebacker, the greatest defensive player that, that was on the college football planet. And again, being the SEC defensive player of the year in that same year, along with earning All-American honors. People have dreams all the time, CJ. Was there ever a point in time to where at Alabama you felt that you weren't going to be able to achieve or reach your dreams? And if you did have that setback, what did it do to you to have that extra motivation to get back to where you wanted to be? Uh, honestly, it, it never really crossed my mind. We were, you know, Coach Saban had us um, so focused, like, on the process and starting over every single year. We didn't we didn't really have time to, like, so to say, think about the future or you know, worry about, you know, is my play going to get me here or – Am I going to get enough playing time? Because, you know, if you want to do your job and going to school and, you know, doing the right things, uh, not messing up on the field, you weren't going to play anyway. So, you know, as a freshman, um, Coach Saban taught me a, a valuable lesson um, after after our Duke game. Uh, we played them. Um, it was a blowout game. Um, I, was, I wasn't starting yet, so I was more in a nickel package. I wasn't an every down linebacker. I was more of a third down, second and long passing type linebacker. So I wasn't really – paying attention to the playbook. I was only worrying about my plays, and um, obviously it was a blowout against Duke, so the coach put me in and, and our base defense. I gave up a play because I didn't know what in the world was going on when I was on the field, and you know, he, he, he told me, well, you know, in his, in his um, perfect way, he, he told me, like, he, that's, that's not acceptable. Um, he, in the next, like the next couple of days at practice, he said, I'm a coach, a senior, just like I'm a coach of freshman. I'm going to expect the same things, and you know, since that day, you know, I never, I never stepped on the field without being prepared and knowing my job, and and that's really the life, um, a life lesson. You know, if you're taking a job, interview, you know, uh, your parenting or you got business to handle, um, if you're going there, you know, not knowing your stuff and not prepared, you know, you're gonna go out there and look silly and and um, embarrass your, embarrass yourself and your last name. Talking to C.J. Mosley, former Theodore linebacker, former Alabama linebacker, current New York Jet. C.J., you've been a part of a Jets defense that's really been elite for a couple of years now. Obviously, complimentary football is what it takes to win games, and Jets made a Jets made a big splash this offseason bringing in Aaron Rodgers. Just how excited are you about that? Uh, I'm very excited. Uh, more so just the opportunity. Um, you know, I've been playing for going to my ninth year. And I, I can honestly say every year you, you want to go in with the right mindset, say you're going to win, to get to the playoffs, you know, do the right things, get to the Super Bowl. But, you know, that window is very small and the opportunity is very small in the league, um, you know, with personnel and, you know, coach changes, player changes and all those all those um, other things. But um, we, we do have a, a special moment, you know, these upcoming years while we have Aaron Rodgers and, you know, just the, 
the talent that we brought in, the, the way we the way we changed our, our locker room, the coaching style, just everything has just been transcending towards you know winning football and um, just being a New York Jets in 2019 and now it's been improvement every year um, with me uh, mentally, physically as a football player, just growing, learning this new defense and and really understanding this game even more. Even though I've been playing for a while, there's always you know something that I feel I can work on, especially like with my passing game. So. I just want to be able to uh, just really unlock this defense and uh, really show my versatility on the football field as a player and as a leader. Well, a leader that comes from Alabama on the defensive side of the football in the secondary or on that second level is yourself. But you have somebody in front of you by the name of Quinnen Williams who is a, a beast in and of itself. And I know this guy loves to have fun. How big of a, a – a, I guess locker room clown is Quentin Williams. And how much fun and how many jokes does he like to crack? Because to, when I've been around him, he's just hilarious, man. Yeah, uh, shout out to Quentin. Um, he's actually uh, him and his wife about to get ready to have a have a child, so that should be coming soon. Another Williams coming to the family. Uh, but you know, obviously with with him off the field, you no, know, he's just a great person to have around. Um, just the things he's been through, the the wisdom that he can share to the younger guys. Even though he's young, he in the system, though, know, he, he had to grow up a lot and grow up fast. And um, every year he took on that challenge, and um, every year he's been getting better. So uh, we're excited for what he has to bring to the table every single time he steps out on the field because uh, he's, he's shown over the years that he's becoming one of one of the top defensive linemen and, and unstoppable in the run and pass game. So just having him in front of me uh, just brings a lot of ease because I know I can you know, move around a little bit more when I don't have linemen running up to me. C.J. Mosley, former Theodore Bobcat, former Alabama Crimson, tied All-American, and, of course, current star with the New York Jets defense. And the improvement is what you want to see in your squad each and every year from a competitive standpoint. I know OTAs are going on, and they're very important for the rookies and just trying to develop some early chemistry going on. How are things going on with OTAs and the New York Jets? Uh, things are going well. Uh, we just finished our first week. Um, we felt like every single day we stepped on, stepped out on the field. You know, the offensive defense has been trying to get each other better. Uh, whether it's just communicating after plays, trying to figure out, you know, what the offensive player is seeing. You know, me having small conversations with the fullback. You know, letting them know like, hey, I can't really get a beat on this on your movement. So, you know, keep working on it. So just like little things like that to build chemistry and you know um, make everybody better by you know with the competition. Uh, we have a lot of great young talent so that's definitely going to help us in the long run late in the season but it also builds you know that that competition in the film room that competition on the field when it comes to you know trying to put the best players out there cj we had jalen armor davis on last week and he was obviously there a number of years after you but i asked him this question i gotta ask you the same is there a favorite memory or favorite game from your time at alabama favorite game favorite memory uh I guess if I if I have to pick one, I have to have to go where it all started. I got my got my first pick six when we played against on um, Florida. You know, it was number one, number two team playing at home. You know, got the <laughs> that was a that was a crazy experience. And uh, the best part of part best part about it is when I got to the sideline, the first person to greet me was was Mark Ingram. And at that time, you know, I'm just a freshman. This is a national champion Heisman Trophy winner all in my face celebrating. I was like, man, this. Like this is really crazy, and, and um, got to the sideline with 
with my with some of my fellow freshmen slash roommates and was like, bro, can we, can you believe we just did this? So we were like, we can't wait to go out after the game. So it was just it was a great moment, a great experience, man. But um, just playing, you know, obviously playing for Alabama, playing at that stadium, traveling wherever we went, knowing that you know we had the the faithful Crimson Tide with us. It was a it was a great time every every single time we stepped out on the field, no matter the result. How much fun is it to to watch Alabama present day? Is it you know, last year, of course, most Alabama fans would, would consider it a disappointing year, just losing two games in general. And I, I know that the GOAT is at the helm of the Alabama Crimson Tide. But going into this year, knowing the expectations for Alabama again, are you glued to your television every Saturday wanting to see what Alabama's going to do? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, still got family ties to Alabama. So as soon as I left – uh, for people that know my my younger brother Jamie Jamie Mosley, he he went to the University of Alabama. So obviously every single game he was still on the team. I was watching. Uh, now he's he's coaching at the University of Alabama. So uh, it's just it's just that that wonderful family connection. Um, you know, once you once you believe, like you said, once you believe, believe that bleed on red and white, now it doesn't go away. So um, I like watching the young players. Um, kind of see how the game is evolved as far as the the college aspect. I'm just seeing, you know, the talent-wise and, and every single year how we, you know, really just we have that same standard. So that's the main thing that, that I watch for, just making sure players, you know, still playing with that with that high standard, still playing, you know, with the same goals in mind, understanding that, you know, all the success that they want later in life, it doesn't happen unless, you know, they do the right things right now um, in the present day what, as far as going to school, you know, doing the right things, staying out of trouble, you know, doing the right stuff on the football field and obviously competing to win championships. You know, during the offseason, Nick Saban always finds that guest speaker, whether it's Mike Tyson or Kobe Bryant coming through. Do you remember throughout your tenure there, was there a speaker that stepped onto campus that you really were locked and loaded and you'll always remember what they had to say? Yeah, uh, the, the, the last my last year there, we had Ray Lewis come speak. Uh, it was actually... I, it was, I think it was the year, his last year, right before they won the Super Bowl, or maybe the year after. But I want to say it was the year before. So um, he was my actually my favorite player growing up, favorite linebacker. So um, that was like my idol. So it was very cool to you know listen to him, actually get to meet him and see him in person. So I just remember him telling me, you know, it was, it was all about um, you know your health, you know, staying healthy, um, you know, making sure you're, you're working out. And you know, his big thing on him was you know uh, making sure you had a very strong core. So I always. <laughs> always remember when he told me that because he was saying your core your core pretty much generates your whole body all your power comes from your core and now it's for the people that know ray lewis he's a he's an aggressive guy when it comes to working out so uh that, that really stayed with me cj got about a minute left with you i know you always have loved giving back to your community <coughs> and i know you don't have a date yet set on your camp but giving back during your camps and seeing all the kids and the young middle schoolers and high schoolers have an opportunity to learn from you and everyone who you bring in, what does that mean to you? Uh, it, mean, it means everything. Um, you know, we talk about the, the family the family ties. Um, just, you know, theater allowed me to host my camp at the high school uh, means a lot as well. You know, a lot of the, you know, the volunteers that help out, uh, you know, coaches, family members that we know, um, you know, teachers that that was there when when I was there. So I mean, it's, it's it's really it's really an honor because you know when you're like I was saying with the college players, when you're in the moment, when you're in high school, you know you're acting up and you're doing these type of things, and and you know you're not treating people the right way all the time. 
you know, you never know down the road you might need a favor for them or, you know, you might need to do something in the area and that, that person going to remember how you how you treated them or how you treated others um, back then. So, um, no, I would just credit, you know, obviously my, my parents and and them holding me and my brother to a high standard when it comes to grades and, our, and the you know, way we acted and, and, and treat people. So, you know, just – for us to be able to get that back tenfold and, you know, host my camp and to have the community come out and people, you know, travel from different states is, is pretty amazing. Um, I still get a little nervous <laughs> when I do the camp because, you know, I still, when I get home, I, you know, I just still feel like, you know, I'm just CJ. You know, I, I went to Theodore, you know, I was just a normal guy. So, I mean, it just, it just means a lot when I, when I get to give back and, you know, people really get moved about, get moved by, you know, the, the things that we have to offer and, and try to, you know, really, let let kids and parents know that you know you if you if your child really you know appreciates something or really wants to do something and, and your parents and you know your guardians stick by you you know anything is possible. CJ can't thank you enough for giving back not only to Theodore the city of Mobile and the youth that look up to you on a daily basis and I want to thank your mom for the assist in, in helping me out today and again wish you the best health wise going into the off season and look forward to the Jets making a lot of noise here in the AFC East this season with the new quarterback and that stingy defense that you have thank you so much CJ yeah thank you thank y'all for having me CJ Mosley roll tide roll here on the Tide and Tiger Report here on the final drive on WNSP. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Jake Tilford, quarterback at Alabama. And when I'm listening to the radio, I'm listening to WNSP. Welcome back to the Tide and Tiger Report. Call now at 694-1055 or take part on the WNSP app. Once again, Corey and Michael. Welcome back to the Tide and Tiger Report here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with my producer, Michael Brauner, joining you this afternoon. want to thank C.J. Mosley, former All-American Alabama Crimson Tide linebacker for joining us. And, of course, now we have our tighter insider, Rodney Orr, joining us this afternoon. And, Rodney, good afternoon and welcome to the Tide and Tiger Report. Good afternoon. I appreciate you having me. Well, you know, everybody's been talking about and will continue to talk about probably until September 2nd and really probably September 9th, the fact that Alabama has five scholarship quarterbacks on their roster. And, Rodney, I don't know if that competition is going to be great leading into fall camp, but the fact that Nick Saban for the first time ever has five quarterbacks on his rosters, does that shock you in all of your years covering the Crimson Tide? Well, I, I tell you why it, it, it's a little bit surprising now is because you, it, it's difficult to keep five. <laughs> I mean, it really is. Uh, you know, these guys, the way they move with the transfer portal, um, you know, it's uh, it's very, very difficult. You remember a few years ago, Alabama was down to a couple, two or three quarterbacks, and that, that's, that's getting really thin, obviously. Uh, you like to have four. Sometimes you can't have four, but Alabama has five right now, and uh, it's a really good room. Uh, just a lot of inexperience. Rodney, I, 
I don't want to ask you to predict what's going to happen with the quarterback room, but I think I, I think I will ask you to predict what's going to happen with the quarterback <laughs> room. Essentially, whoever starts again, Middle Tennessee State is is kind of whatever. It's it's almost like a a second A day, but the fa- not really because you know obviously you have Texas coming to town week two. So who do you think starts week two against Texas? And the big bigger question than that is: is it the same person who starts the Iron Bowl? Injuries aside. Well, I think the one thing is this, and this is, you know, again, it's just my kind of thought on it is I think they probably would like to start the guy in game one against Middle Tennessee, the guy that they're going to start against Texas. Because, you know, these guys are limited in experience. I mean, obviously, Milrow started a game. He's still really inexperienced. Ty Simpson's a redshirt freshman. He played some last year, as you know. but but he has not started a game, obviously. And then you've got Tyler Buckner coming from Notre Dame to transfer, who you know started a couple of games there at Notre Dame. He's played some, you know, played some as a freshman. Then last year started a couple of games before he was injured, and then he started the, uh, you know, came in the the bowl game and had a really really good game. So um, you know, it's it's a, I just think they're probably going to want to try to make sure if they possibly can to have the guy ready for the middle Tennessee state game and, and then go from there and, you know, see what happens. You're asking me to make a prediction. I mean, it's really hard because I mean, I think Jalen Milrow, he's, he's obviously an extraordinarily gifted athlete. I think the one thing with Milrow is it's, he's continuing to develop as a passer. He's just the inconsistency of it, uh, you know, and he, he showed some spurts this, this spring, but at the same time, you know, he's still kind of, had some the inconsistencies, and, and you look at Ty Simpson. He's really gifted. I think Ty has all the tools. I think he can be a fantastic player. I just think it's a, this was his first opportunity in the spring to really get extended reps, and uh, I think that he, he probably grew from it. But he was inconsistent as well, and that's why they went and got Tyler Buckner. And I think Tyler Buckner's a really gifted guy. I think coming out of high school, he was really talented. I think the injuries at Notre Dame hurt him, slowed him down. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how quickly, you know, Buckner can kind of make the adjustment this summer and going into camp and see how he does. But uh, if you're asking me to predict, I w- I'd say right now, I would lean towards Buckner being the guy against Middle Tennessee. But, you know, hey, we'll see. I got to tell you, Rodney, I've been asking pretty much every Alabama guest that same question. I, I think you might be the first one in, in weeks since the transfer to have said Buckner. Really? Well, I don't, I don't know who everybody else is predicting. Again, it's just a, it's just a guess, I think, at all around. But, you know, look, there's a reason why they went and got Tyler Buckner. Fair they enough. already have four quarterbacks. There's a reason why. It's because Nick Saban wasn't sold on the guys being ready. Uh, for example, I think Ty Simpson, like I said, I think he's got all the tools. But is he ready? Is he going to be ready come August? Is he going to be ready, you know, when the season starts? That's a big question. You know, and I think you've you've invested a lot. This is Milrow's third year. Uh, he still, even though he got you know reps last year, he started a game. He's still showing some of the same inconsistencies. You know, let's just be honest. And I'm not trying to put words in Nick Saban's. The appearance is I don't trust these guys. I don't trust that they're ready. Uh, Tyler Buckner's a guy that has a lot of familiarity with Tommy Reese. Obviously, Tommy Reese said, "Hey, coach, you know we can get Tyler Buckner." He's a guy that I highly recommend. We recruited him extremely hard out of high school. Brian Kelly loved him. Uh, you know, they really thought that he was going to be their guy at Notre Dame. Again, the injuries. So, 
I'm just saying, you know, right now there's a reason why they brought Buckner in. Uh, it may be Milrow, it may be Simpson, but and I, I think, you know, my, my, my gut right now would go with Buckner. Any question at all that when Nick Saban goes to Italy that or Rome or, or wherever he and his wife are going to travel and that you were going to get the universal roll tide once someone recognized who he was. Because <laughs> I, I think that, uh, first of all, I think you would recognize Nick Saban before you would recognize that the Alabama Crimson Tide, because I guarantee he didn't go over there with a big A on his chest looking for <laughs> crimson and white apparel. But that just goes to show that the Alabama brand is universal. You know, I'll go back to 20-some-odd years ago, and Coach Fran told a story when Dennis Franchoni, when he was here as a head coach, and he said, you know, I, I wanted to try to get away. The scrutiny here is really, you know, on another level. So he flies out to California to play golf, gets rides at the golf course, gets out of the car. First thing the guy says is, roll tide, Coach. And he's like, you know, I can't get away from these people. You know, I can't go anywhere and get away from these people. So it's kind of like Nick Saban, you know. I mean, it's uh, – uh, it, 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 he talked about the iconic brand, but and it is, it is. But at the same time, as you know, I mean, what Nick Saban has done here over the last, you know, 15 years has been, you know, it, it's pretty much put Alabama uh, in the limelight uh, to where he, he can't go anywhere without being recognized. And that's a good problem to have for the Crimson Tide brand. And I'll tell you, Rodney – with the la a couple of minutes left with you here, the deep inside of the football, do you think that Tony Mitchell will suit up in the crimson and white, or do you think that's a reason why the Alabama Crimson Tide have gone to the transfer portal and got some guys from places like Louisiana and UAB also? Mm -hmm. No, I, I think Tony still, I, I, I would, if everything works out and it, it, uh, his situation settled, I, I think Tony will have a chance. I really do uh, here. Now, not this year. I wouldn't. He's not uh, likely to be on the field. I wouldn't think in any, you know, special teams at the most. And I don't even see that to be honest with you. But that's just me. We'll see. Uh, but look, they lost Jake, uh, Jacquez Robinson. They lost Traquan Fagans. They needed some depth. They needed some experience. Think about their safety spots. I mean, you got Caleb Downs as a true freshman, probably going to start. He's going to be a difference maker. Uh, Christian Story. You know, he doesn't have much experience. He's played some. Malachi Moore's been a star, uh, so it, it, he doesn't have a ton of experience at safety. They needed somebody with some experience, so they went and got Jalen Key. They've got two corners with experience, Terry and Arnold and, and Kool-Aid McKinstry. Both guys had great great springs. You know McKinstry's a guy's preseason All-American type player, and I think Arnold's going to be really good. But they needed another corner, like desperately, and uh, got Trey Amos out of the University of Louisiana, and he's a guy that could come in and, and probably challenge Arnold at, at that other spot, at that other corner opposite of Kool-Aid. We'll see. But, you know, to be able to have another corner like him, uh, and he's got two years, so uh, he doesn't have to start this year, but he'll be a guy that's going to be a real contributor. Rodney Orr joining us this afternoon here on the Tide and Tiger Report, founder of TiderInsider.com. Rodney, always a pleasure to catch up with you and get some of your great Crimson Tide insight and knowledge, and we look forward to having you again on the Tide and Tiger Report. But how can people go and follow all of your great coverage? 
Yeah, it's tighterinsider.com. It's only $48 a year. You can get instant access with your credit card if you prefer. There is an address there to send a check because y'all are premium information, but also our All Sports Forum. That's our community of Alabama fans, I'm telling you. Our All Sports Forum, that community there, it's rocking and rolling constantly. It's 247, never stops uh, on tighterinsider.com. Rodney Ward, thank you so much, and we look forward to talking to you again real soon about the Alabama Crimson Tide. Appreciate it. You take care. Rodney Ward joining us this afternoon on the Tide and Tiger Report, and when we come back, we'll have Daryl Daprich joining us on the side for the Auburn Tigers, and he may give us a little insight on the 7-4 final baseball victory for the Crimson Tide over the Auburn Tigers as well. The Tide and Tiger Report. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Showtime boxing analyst Steve Farhood, and you're listening to Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP. Welcome back to the Tide and Tiger Report. Call now at 694-1055 or take part on the WNSP app. Once again, Corey and Michael. Welcome back to the Tide and Tiger Report on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with my producer, Michael Bronner, and, of course, the SEC Baseball Tournament going on in Hoover, Alabama. And Alabama and Auburn both played today, and whoever lost that game were going to be eliminated. And, of course, in a rivalry game, Alabama was able to defeat Auburn 7-4 to and took three out of four from Auburn here this season. Bryson Ware for the Auburn Tigers, his 24th home run of the season, setting an Auburn record for home runs in a season. And we want to bring in Daryl Daprich from Locked On Auburn to talk a little bit about the Auburn Tigers and their phenomenal season that they've had thus far. And Daryl, good afternoon and welcome to the Tide and Tiger Report. Hey, guys. Good afternoon. Yeah, that was some great baseball. Um, If you live in the state of Alabama, you couldn't have asked for anything more. An elimination game, two rivals. I think what that game did, guys, I think going into that, going into this afternoon, I really feel strongly from looking at Baseball America, D1 Baseball, some other publications that are really reliable, that both Auburn and Alabama were hosting, regardless of the outcome. They were both going to host a regional. I think going into that game today, Auburn was a 10 seed, Alabama was a 12. And I think the outcome of that game, all it did was make them flip spots. I think Alabama jumps to 10 now. Auburn probably slides to 12. They both have the same amount of SEC wins, uh, but all, Alabama beating uh, you know, Auburn three out of four and having the higher RPI uh, really, I think, gets them to jump a couple of spots. Auburn slides a couple of spots. But I think both teams will hear their names called this Memorial Day weekend and get to host, which is pretty pretty phenomenal when you consider what both programs have had to go through the last two months. Auburn struggling at the bottom of the SEC, Alabama with the gambling scandal, replacing their coach. Just really a tremendous uh, sense of pride for the state when you look west and you've got the state of Mississippi that kind of sticks their chest out about being the baseball hub of America and the last two national champions in Mississippi, Mississippi State, and they can't even make the SEC tournament, never mind a regional. We're pretty blessed with how this baseball season turned out for both programs. 
Yeah, that's important when you look at Alabama and Auburn baseball both and Alabama having an opportunity to to host the regionals for the first time since 2006. And as we look and transition, of course, always 365 talking football here in the state of Alabama. Brian Harson has an interview finally with Chris Lowe on ESPN and says he feels moved on and feels refreshed as far as him being fired from an Auburn Tigers head coaching position. I was waiting to see what he had to say, and one of his biggest quotes today was, I wasn't going to let it eat at me no matter how some of the things were that were my family had to endure to end that quote. And I thought that Coach Harson's approach to it was professional, but for $15 million, I don't have to talk bad about my former employer either. Well, you can't because uh, there, you know, you know as well as I do when you start, when you get those uh, buyout clauses and the buyouts. There's there's a non-disclosure. There's certain things going all the way back to Terry Bowden that there's just you have to keep your mouth shut. Uh, but you can't really talk bad about your former employer. And you know, look, I, I hate the fact that his family was attacked in some of this stuff. I get it. But as far as the criticism levied at him. There needs to be more accountability. In that article, it was a lot of this and that and boosters and a Zoom call that went black. Look, if if Chris Lowe from ESPN would have interviewed head, high school head coaches in the area, Derek Mason, Mike Bobo, former players, he could have given the full picture. Again, I don't like people's family getting involved in stuff, but a lot of Harson's undoing was Harson's inability to recruit and just refusing to get out and connect with high school coaches and do what it takes on the trail to get it done. So, you know, I'm glad he's moved on. I'm glad he didn't let it eat away to him. It's a pressure cooker in the SEC. I think it was a complete it was eye opening for him to come out from, you know, Idaho and, and come into this into this uh, you know, into the fire like this. And he has won everywhere he's gone but he didn't adapt guys and that's the problem i think he tried to use the blueprint and the template and the formula that worked it it you know boise state that's not going to work when you're playing georgia lsu and alabama every year and so you know true there's some issues there that he probably didn't get the support he needed but there's also some things i think that he needs to look in the mirror and say there's some things i could have and should have done differently not like i did in idaho and adjusted and he didn't. I would have liked to see more comments from the other side of the spectrum. It seems like ESPN is a little bit of a mouthpiece for him, just like what happened in February when that article came out when he was in Mexico on vacation. He kind of gets the right guys to speak on his behalf, and I don't really particularly feel like that article gave all the angles that needed to be given. I'm with you, Daryl, and, and I agree with you, and not to mention the fact that Brian Harson has 15 million reasons not to be bitter about it. And again, exactly. like, and he 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 failed both, you know, at the at the primary job of what a of what a head coach in college football does. Like from a fundamental level, he didn't get it done. So he, he I agree, he needs to look in the mirror more. But I do like to ask Auburn guests this question because in his first year, obviously, like we were at Tank Bigsby going out of bounds and a Bryce Young 99 yard drive away from Brian Harson winning the Iron Bowl, and obviously, like, that wouldn't have changed the results of year two but it would it certainly would have prevented uh what was ultimately i don't think there's a better word than mutiny in that first off season mm -hmm. for harson so like is it possible that harson would still be the coach as we're speaking today or like how, how different would things have been had they won that iron bowl it's a 
great question. I don't think the Iron Bowl in itself would have been enough to springboard positive. It would have gotten him, you know, maybe a little better bowl game and a winning record that year. I still think they probably would have laid an egg in the bowl game. And quite simply, what impacted that year more than him losing the Iron Bowl was the reason why, one of the reasons why he lost the Iron Bowl was Bo Nix getting hurt. I, I really believe they looked good on offense and all cylinders were humming. And that first half of the Mississippi State game uh, before Knicks got hurt was probably one of the most efficient offensive performances from a quarterback I've seen in a long time at Jordan-Hare. He breaks his ankle. Things go south. Harson loses his mind with the way him and, you know, overriding Bobo on some play calling. It, with T.J. Finley at quarterback, the South Carolina game was a disaster. You know, going for it at fourth and whatever on the own, your own end of your field. There were some things that happened that were really, really strange that Auburn should have won a couple more games, even with T.J. Finley. And I think play calling got got involved. So, yes, it would have been it would have been a not a sour taste in his mouth. And I know there's that old adage and that 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 sentiment that Gus Malzahn kept his job longer than he should have because he beat Alabama a couple years. I think that ship had sailed. I don't think because of recruiting and because of the way he reacted with some of the high school coaches and some of the alumni, I think even if Harson would have went 7-6 and six and beat Alabama in 2021, the debacle of 2022 still would have happened because he didn't have a quarterback and he still would have had the same kind of year and I think the same result would have, would have, would have uh, inferred. Well, it's one of those situations to where, you know, you try to move on from Coach Harson and Hugh Freeze has definitely built a strong recruiting foundation with the high school coaches here in the state of Alabama, more importantly, and his staff has really changed that narrative. And I know that Auburn continues to add to their roster in the transfer portal as classes are getting ready to start in this last minute. How many more additions or subtractions do you think will happen from an Auburn Tigers standpoint, from a football roster? Great question. Right now they've added 20. Uh, the Dumas, the Cyrus Dumas situation from New Mexico State was very confusing. He committed to Auburn without a committable offer. Uh, Auburn wanted to get him on campus and see what was up, and then they didn't offer him, so that's a little bit embarrassing. I feel, you know, it's just, it's just one of those situations in big boy football. But Auburn's got two scholarships left to give. There's rumors that one of the incoming high school kids uh, may not be academically eligible in this recruiting class that hasn't been on campus yet, so that would give them that second scholarship. I don't see any other departures because unless it's a grad transfer, you can't, and I think everyone's locked in. I wouldn't be surprised if Auburn added one more body and look at the safety position. I think that's where they're still – they got a great secondary on paper, but they're a little thin from an experience standpoint in the secondary – so I don't see any more defections. I see maybe a non-qualifier coming in from the high school class and then perhaps adding a safety through the transfer portal. A name to keep an eye on, although he's not a safety, is a kid named Andre Stewart who committed originally to Gus Malzahn. When Malzahn got fired, he decommitted. He ended up at Kentucky. He's in the portal. Uh, he went, he, he's into the transfer portal now, and he would have to get a waiver, but rumor is he's applying for the waiver. So we'll see how that goes out. That's that's he, He's linked to Auburn if he can get the waiver. Let's put it that way. Daryl Dapridge, thanks for all your great coverage. How can people follow everything for Locked on Auburn? Well, you can get us wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify. Just look at Locked on Auburn. We also drop the YouTube 
show the, the morning after as well at 7 a.m. And it'd be interesting. We are going to discuss, we're going to record tonight and discuss the Brian Harson uh, article. There should be some fun fireworks. And then we're going to do a special basketball show that's going to drop Saturday where we're going to talk about the coaching staff turnover, the incoming and outgoing players for Auburn with roster reconstruction. So it should be kind of interesting for basketball junkies. Appreciate you, Daryl. Look forward to talking to you again real soon and looking at all your coverage of everything locked on Auburn. Be blessed, guys. Have a great Memorial Day. Likewise. We'll be right back to put the finishing touches on the Tide and Tiger Report here on WNSP 105.5. Hey, this is David Morris of QB Country. When I'm in my car, I always have it tuned in to 105.5 WNSP, the sports station. Welcome back to the Tide and Tiger Report. Call now at 694-1055 or take part on the WNSP app. Once again, Corey and Michael. Welcome back to the Tide and Tiger Report. Want to thank C.J. Mosley, former All-American linebacker from the University of Alabama Crimson Tide, of course, now with the Jets for taking time out of his OTAs to join us here on the Tide and Tiger Report. Rodney Orr and Daryl Daprich as well. And, of course, on the final drive, Andrew Spivey along with Lindsey Crosby joining us this afternoon. And you can go back and make sure that you vote, www.votenappies.com. Of course, you click on the final drive under the media tab for the best sports show. And, of course, we we want to do damage tomorrow in our pickleball matchup between the opening kickoff and the final drive. The four opponents, we've never played pickleball, so look forward to Nick Wiggins' footage coming over the Memorial Day weekend of our pickleball challenge. And, of course, tomorrow we'll bring you another great edition of the final drive. Big show tomorrow. All right, Bill Bender, Roger Hoover, Ross Jackson, and Ryan Phillips all scheduled to join us tomorrow on the final drive. And, Michael, it's always a pleasure to make room Again, for One Pigskin Pete and Brian Gennard, the Prep Spotlight will be coming up next, so make sure that you stay tuned in to the Prep Spotlight. We'll check in with you guys again tomorrow here on The Final Drive for Corey LeBounty and Michael Bronner. We'll holler at you later.